0: When I'm not hitting the heavy bag at the Ironbound Boxing Academy in Newark, you can find me under a barbell at my CrossFit gym doing squats, bench press, and other strength training exercises, something I picked up playing football in high school and carried with me into the Marines. While doing research on how to incorporate running in the barbell training, I came across today's guest, Grant Brogy, founder of The Strength Co., which includes a brick-and-mortar gym, an online coaching business, and a manufacturing arm producing American-made barbell plates and other equipment. As an active-duty Marine artillery officer, Grant jump-started his entrepreneurial journey, moonlighting as a coach on weekends before opening up a gym and eventually building his strength empire. Shortly after transitioning off of active duty and into his business full-time, like most of us, Grant got royally punched in the face due to the COVID-19 pandemic, eventually forcing him to shut down one of two gyms, but also presented the opportunity to start his own company, manufacturing his own plates. On the show, Grant opens up about how he managed to pull it off, the pains of running a brick-and-mortar gym, and why he believes there's a future in American-made iron. Before I jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, do me a favor and shoot me an email at mike.steadman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Steadman. I also want to encourage you to check out my first book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur, Validate Your Business Model, Build Your Brand, and Step into Greatness, available on Amazon at the link in the show notes as well. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show. And that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Grant, my man, welcome to the bunker. What's going on?
1: Glad to be here, man. Thanks for thanks for reaching out and looking forward to talking with you today.
0: So before we went live, I was talking to Grant about how I found him. So I like to keep my military edge. That's the best way I can call it. Some people say, oh, you work out intense, you know. I still go to the gym, do my little weighted pull-ups. I don't know why y'all call them chins in in the strength, not strength world, but in the starting strength world. But, you know, I still like to get after a little bit. And so part of that means I still like to lift heavy, but I also like to have some conditioning. And I know I need to do a little bit of running, but I want to do it in a military-esque way. And I found one of Grant's YouTube videos showing you how to split your week so you can still get your strength training in and get a little running in. I think it was like training for the PFT or something. And then I saw all the stuff that you were doing with the Strength Co. I saw your brick-and-mortar gym. And I was like, this is somebody we need to get in the Bunker Lab ecosystem. So I tracked him down on LinkedIn. Apparently, he doesn't spend a lot of time on there, but got him to come onto the podcast. So fired up. to I did. I,
1: I did reply right away. You I don't reply. spend a lot of time there, but I do reply. You.
0: you did reply. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with you, Grant, please take a moment to introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, so major United States Marine Corps Reserve now, joined in 2011, did eight years roughly active, left active service in 2019. I'm an artillery officer, found starting strength and kind of strength coaching while in the Marine Corps as a way to get Marines kind of ready for combat to strengthen them. And hey, there I was exiting the Marine Corps and I said, the general population needs this. And I opened a gym, then I opened two gyms. And then 2020 hit, kind of turned my business plan on its on its head. Closed one gym, kept one gym, and opened the you know, what we now manufacture barbell strength training equipment. So bar anything you kind of need to do the squat press bench deadlift the big four we make all USA made. That's kind of our thing. So yeah, still in the Marine Corps reserves, running you know a business and still have a, a gym up and running, and that's that's where we're at.
0: Well, I think that's badass. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about what got you there. But I also wanna acknowledge something, right? Brick and mortars are a pain in the ass. They're hard. They just start. And I always say this, and tell me if I'm wrong, Grant. There's certain business models that are hard. Like it's all hard. But there's certain business models really, really hard. Gyms, restaurants, you know, nonprofits. Am I wrong?
1: No, you're right. And I think, I mean, restaurant owners, I, I can only imagine, but I think gyms too, because especially a lot of military guys leave in the military, want to go into the gym business. And they're used to like people with gym etiquette. They're used to people that work hard, that train hard. And there's all these things that they think this will be awesome. I like to work out and know how to help people. I'm a military person. And then it's like, man, people don't want to work hard. They don't want to show up. They don't want to change the toilet paper rollout when it ends. Like, it's hard to find cleaning staff. You know, it, it all adds up. And so it's worth it. But it's, the, I think the gym business and probably the restaurant business, but I think the gym business is, it's harder than it may seem. Yeah,
0: Canceling meetings because you got to go open the gym because somebody didn't show <laughs> up,
1: you know? Right. It's like,
0: oh yeah, we want to have a gym on the weekends.
1: Guess what? Somebody's got to open. You hey, know? by the way, to- toilet's clogged. Toilets clogged. I'm just a a coach. I don't plunge toilets. Oh man. How many people are there? 20. And everyone needs to take a dump right now. Oh, all right. (laughs) So what's nice about
0: me is I run a free gym, so I don't charge. Right. So we train youth and young adults here in Newark, New Jersey, amateur boxing. So that's one of the reasons I don't charge. I didn't, I boxed at the Naval Academy, fell in love with the sport and wanted to create an outlet for the community. So I get to attract a certain type of kid and I don't have to train everyone, which is nice. I tried nice. the fitness thing for a little bit. It wasn't nearly as enjoyable. But with that being said, mentally, you're always thinking about the gym. You know, is everything running well when I have to travel, the gym? You know, so this is me taking off my armor. And I'm, I launched my gym in 2016. And as much as I would love to say it's a well-oil machine, you know, I can just go off and it runs 100% perfect. That's not always the case. You know, and one of the reasons, you know, we even do this platform is because I think there's just this misconception about entrepreneurship. It's really, really hard. Like people keep selling this dream as if it's just like this rosy colored lifestyle. But man, it's a hard journey. And especially I could think about you going into the pandemic and just getting out the military. First of all, going through a transition, starting a business and getting punched in the face by COVID, right? That's a lot to take all at once.
1: Yeah, it was quite the the journey. You know, I started my gym kind of on accident. I always say 2016, I started coaching people out of my garage. 2017, opened a gym. Didn't want to. Had a guy that approached me for a partnership. I said, man, I'm an active duty Marine. I don't have time for this. He said, let's do it anyway. We did it a year in. He said, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I ended up buying him out. So I found myself active duty Marine 2018 and I own a gym. Which was great in some aspects, maybe hire right away, maybe outsource right away, maybe not be the guy in the gym all day, every day. So that when the day comes that you want to pull out, everyone's like, wait, where did that guy go? Right. Which happened to a lot of gym members or gym owners. So that was great. But at the same time, it was hard. Started ramping up, opened a second gym, you know, thought I had this great plan. I'm going to own all these gyms all over Orange County, California. I'm going to be like the gym guy. And then, you know, left the Marine Corps. I was like, all right, now I have to put 100% focus on this. And it started out well, and then March 20 hit, was tough. And man, I'll tell you, one gym I closed, and I didn't close it because I'm a genius strategist, and I went and ran. I closed it because I was losing my shorts over there after COVID. Like, it was a math problem. I am losing. I kept trying. I can make this work. I'm a Marine. I'll get this to work. And I was like, this is stupid. So I finally closed it. And the other one does fine. But it's a huge time <laughs> and work and to, to this day. I mean yeah. every day I wake up and spend a few hours of my day on that gym. And it's been open since 2017. It's 2023, six years. And hey, we 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 offered some kind of new workout program. We're just trying to teach people how squat and deadlift. It is yeah. it's still a job, yeah.
0: As soon as I get off this podcast and I'm doing, I got to go to my gym and coach. That's it. right? Now, I only coach yeah. three, three nights a week, but, I mean, you're in it, right? And oh, yeah. With that being said, too, what's your biggest challenge these days? What's keeping you up at night? What's Because, you know, people can look at you. They can see your content. You got the strength sure. coat t-shirt rocking. He's got it all going on. But behind the scenes, what's it really like?
1: Yeah. So I think behind the scenes, so it's kind of like three different businesses really that, that I run or we run. It's you know, I, I have my gym in California and now I have one here in South Carolina and it's a little bit different model. I'm a, I'm a boutique inside of a rock climbing gym that so kind of gives me some freedom. But, you know, so I have those two things going. We have an online coaching business and then we have our manufacturing business. What probably keeps me up, or what I think the most about from a business owner perspective, is the manufacturing business. And the reason is this the gym is a pain. It can be a pain. The online coaching can be tough. All these things are challenging. But at the end of the day, you're trading dollars for time, right? And I know, like, hey, if I want to take my time over here and put it here, this is the X amount that I can get from being in that. And that's a great, great, great resource to have. On the manufacturing side of things, taking a lot more risk. Much, you know, I'm not just sacrificing my time. You know, I'm sacrificing a lot more cash flow and stuff. Hey, I need inventory. We're going to run these marketing campaigns. If it works, do we have enough things in stock? Oh, we're having issues over here. So I think you know, kind of juggling all these things, they're all tough, right? But I think what I, what I kind of spend the most time on is I think we have a really unique Made in USA product. And how do we keep getting that to people and, you know, being ready when they want it?
0: I'm taking some notes here because I want to get back to this. I want to talk about platforms
1: This made in USA
0: and then also your stuff with your relationship, sorry, with the starting strength movement. But let's go back to the beginning. Yeah. What made you become an entrepreneur in the first place? I know you said it kind (sighs) of happened accidentally, but like, how did you actually make it happen? Because we got a lot of listeners that have these great ideas, maybe even already written a business plan. They probably sent it to me but they haven't actually pulled the trigger on it.
1: Yeah. So the the first part I'll say that is part of how I was brought up kind of led me down that road, which I didn't realize, right? I was homeschooled. I wasn't, I didn't play sports growing up. We ran businesses and I don't say that to sound as a flex. I was actually mad about it as a kid. I just wanted to go to public school and play football. I didn't care about anything else, but instead my brothers and I were running window cleaning businesses, selling things, you know, laying tile, doing all these random stuff that later down the road, I look back and I think, man, that was actually like a really good education platform in terms of just thinking of, hey, I can provide you a service or a business and you will give me money, which I think is what a lot of people, they have a good idea, but they, they're too scared to actually get someone to pay them for it. And so then when the gym came around, you know, I started coaching out of my garage in the starting strength movement, you know, I became a starting strength coach. People started inquiring for me and I started just saying, Hey, I got Saturdays I'm available, these time slots. And then I'd be, I'd be booked out three, four weeks in advance. And I finally complained about it to a buddy of mine who was starting strength coach. And he said, well, why are you upset about it? I said, I mean, I never have a Saturday off. I'm active duty Marine Corps. This," And he was like, well, why don't you double your prices? And I was like, what? And he was like, what if you doubled your prices and you worked the same amount, would you now like it? And I think that was a big thing for me because the reason I bring that up is I didn't value at the time what I was worth, right? I thought I, I, I always kind of undersold myself. So I doubled it. We did it, you know, and we st- I was still booked weeks out in advance. And that's when I kind of realized like, hey, there's an opportunity here. But I got to jump in. There's got to be calendar space available. There's got to be a place for people to come to train. I can't just train one person at a time. I got to be able to train multiple people at a time. And I think that's the tough part for new business owners. They have an idea or maybe they're even making some money, but it's at some point you got to just, boom, go in. And once you go in, I mean, once the risk is there, you have to put the work in, right? And even for me, you could say I had a backup. I was still active duty Marine Corps. Day the day, here I am on a five-year lease on commercial real estate in Orange County, California, right? If I don't make this work, somebody's got to pay. And so I think that extra risk kind of makes sometimes the drive that you need.
0: So I started CrossFit, like I said, in 2012, CrossFit Civil War and down in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And we had a starting strength gym. The first time I saw one of those start popping up, I think it was in, I forgot the other city that was down there. But there's a starter strength gym. So, our foot, our listeners may or may not be familiar with this movement. Mark Ripito, did I get his name right?
1: You got He's been it, Writing
0: yeah. about basic barbell training forever, saying stop with the cardio, get under a barbell, has written some IP around it. And right as the CrossFit movement was taking off, it really started to get people a lot more interested in barbell training in general, whether it's Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, etc. cetera. But I feel like the starting strength movement has still continued to to grow
1: yeah no i think so i mean it's it's it, i think you know he was a part of crossfit which started him kind of oh eight time frame and then his book came out in his book so i mean there you go right back here on the on, on the biblical shelf right i mean this thing if you want to learn how to get strong if you want the best bang for your buck regardless of age or anything. Man, that guy explained squat press, bench press, deadlift, how to load them, how to progress them. And now, you know, it's great to see as they're franchising the gyms and all that kind of stuff, is you're seeing just normal, everyday people. Because that's the problem with barbell training, right? People always think powerlifting, they think CrossFit, which, like we talked a little bit about before, CrossFit at first seemed fine. But now, like you take a female and you mentioned to her CrossFit, She picks some girl jacked out of her mind with, you know, traps popping up above her ears. She's like, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, no, like, I just, I just want you to squat and deadlift. I just want you to get a little bit stronger. And, but yeah, that's kind of, he's been taking off. It's been a good movement. And so right when you were starting your gym,
0: you were able to kind of leverage some of this. And how did you actually get to cover the expenses? Did you have to go get a bank loan? Did you come out of pocket? Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, so starting like I said, when I first started, I had a partner, and we both went in with twenty five thousand dollars, and that was kind of boom, and that was out of pocket. I didn't take a loan, we didn't take a loan, and we kind of got going, and we both were the coaches in the gym. So if you're in a gym, as you know, I mean, obviously, if pay rent, if pay insurance, there are bills that you don't know about. But at the end of the day, like you got to pay for your facility, and your money comes down into your services, right? Your coaching, you know, whatever you're offering in there. And so for us, we took a lot of that. So we were, you know, we profitable day one, but we weren't making any any money ourselves, but we weren't losing any money. But that's how we kind of started it. And then when I bought my partner out, it was a stretch for me. I I could, you know, I could kind of barely do it, but I thought it was a good move. And so, I, you know, I I got that. And then I didn't take business. I didn't take business loans Well, I took some loans on my second gym. Which maybe we can talk about. I Did some like entrepreneur credit card loans, no interest for this amount of month, that sort of thing. <laughs> and so and I, I, just, alive, I did some of the stay
0: alive, yeah, strategy. yeah. yeah
1: I, <laughs> I did some of that, and it kind of worked out. I, I did take some small loans, and then and then when I when I started the plate business, that was probably the biggest. I refinanced my house, and I and I threw it all into that business, and that was probably the biggest like whoa, you know, moment. But but yeah.
0: Now, I see a wedding ring. Who sits around you at the dinner table?
1: Diana, Diana. Yeah, my wife, Diana, started cutting my hair. Marine Corps, you know, I got to get a haircut once a week. She likes 52 cuts a year. So I was a great client, and I talked her into coming to the gym. Her salon was next to my gym. She, she'll laugh because the very first conversation when she cut my hair is I made fun of her business card. I didn't make fun of it. I just grabbed it, and I said, hey, you do a really good job. You should have better business cards. And now, you know, five years later, she's like, You are such a jerk coming in and making fun of my business card. But she came in and started squatting and deadlifting. And uh, yeah, so I found my wife. So, you know, working out gives you long term results.
0: Absolutely. But I asked that question because, you know, these are big life decisions $25,000 here to buy a gym, then even more to pay out your partner. And then now, you know, we got to take this big lift with the manufacturing our own products. So you're not making these decisions like, you know, in a bubble,
1: right? Yeah. They impact other people. And, uh, I will say when I first started, I was in a bubble and that is probably the biggest thing of, you know, getting married is realizing, wow, this like, you know, it, it's like being a young man and joining the service. You think it only impacts you when she does it. It impacts your parents and your siblings and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you're able to make these quick decisions. Oh, there's this opportunity to deploy over here or go over there. And it seems so easy. It's the same thing in business, and now it's like, whoa, you know, I got a wife to take care of. I have other things that matter, and so it, it becomes a little bit bigger. But that's where, you know, I think for in my sake, Dinah really is invested in, in the business, and she kind of she kind of gets it right, and so that kind of kind of makes that work. But yeah, it's a, can't just think about yourself.
0: And I think that's realistic for a lot of our listeners as well, because. Now, we can't be the startup founder sleeping on couch. The majority of people listening to this podcast, they have spouses, they have children, some of them may be caregivers, but they're still sold on this entrepreneurial dream and want to you know, follow it. And so by having your story on, again, it sheds more in, insight into how people are actually able to do it. So you mentioned before of like, we're breaking even, right? I've had my gym since 2016. I still haven't paid myself from it, right? Sure. I make sure that everything goes in operational costs. That's why I have all my different side businesses. It was really just to cover my expenses. What was your approach to thinking about launching your online coaching business and the manufacturing business? Was it more of a long-term player? You saw this opportunity to serve the same market, or was this also opportunities to, be quite frank, create other additional income streams for yourself for cash flow and some of the other challenges that arise?
1: Yeah. So. In short, you know, we had kind of started online coaching in 2019, even before, you know, 2020 drama. And then when that happened, the problem we saw was that people didn't have enough equipment and you couldn't get equipment. So I said, hey, let me see if we can make it. So we started making it. And then at that point, so at that point, my business plan was, hey, let me make equipment. There's a huge shortage of something that happens once in a lifetime. Let me jump on this which is what we did. But then what I realized is now all these things kind of feed each other, right? So you have the fact, I don't sell online coaching because people look at me and think I'm the you know, best strength coach, whatever. I think they, they look at the results of people in the gym, 86-year-old lady lifting heavy, 16-year-old gal, guy with no shoulder, dude missing a leg, you know, or just, hey, 300-pound guy that loses 100 pounds and gets strong young kid that adds 50 pounds of muscle and they see it it's like a proof of concept right so now you have the gym which at the end of the day is you know the gym the gym serves people in that community and as much as I'd love to say that bubble goes out yes you'll have people travel for you one time but the dudes that are in the gym 3 4 times a week for years on end they live right there so the gym serves this small community and you're constantly trying to just catch people in that radius whereas now the gym says, hey, look at what we can do. Oh, you're in Newark, New Jersey. I can train you over Zoom through our online platform. Oh, you don't have a home gym. Hey, we can send you a home gym. Now you can have a home gym. And so now they kind of all feed together. And that's, I mean, you know, there's a lot of bigger equipment manufacturers than us out there that, you know, we could all say the names of them that are way bigger. But we, how we try to set ourselves apart is, Hey, Juan, here's a bunch of free coaching content on how to get stronger. And then if you end up wanting to come with us, sure, we got some gym locations, but we can coach you online and we can give you everything you need. So it's kind of like a one-stop, one-stop shop.
0: I taught online too during the pandemic and I hated it, just not my zone. Yeah. Of and then you also think about everyone was going live, right? Trying all the fitness, the whole fitness community was mobilizing.
1: But hey, everybody. even
0: I think about now, it's, you know, online business, a lot more flexible business, whether you're a consultant, a coach, et cetera, what have you learned about building an online brand and keeping a constant stream of leads, you know in order to keep it sustainable? because it's real easy to think like, oh, this is easy, I got to figure it figured out. there's less overhead, yada, yada, yada. but it's still a grind.
1: Oh, it's still a it's still a grind, and it might even be it might even be more in terms of you have to be constantly on it. I think the biggest thing I've learned is like leveraging, understanding what a lead is. I don't think I understood that with the brick and mortar gym. You know, the phone would ring, I'd get excited. But I didn't realize that like, hey, every email address, every name you have is a lead. And it might be, you know, I send... Send out a video that connects with you and it's three months later that you buy equipment, right? Or it's six months later that you come back for coaching. I mean, we get that all the time. I've been watching your coaching channel for three months. Hey, now can I get a coach? But staying, staying on it, staying active. I mean, I watch – I even watch this a little bit, you know, in the starting strength community or just the strike community is, you know, I last October, so we've always produced content kind of started But last October, I said, hey, three times a week on YouTube, every day YouTube short, every day on Instagram, like we're in. Last October, we started that. And man, it was awesome for six weeks. And then I was like, oh my gosh, it's Thursday. Like, you know, because you try to get ahead, always have videos. You're like, I got to get back on this treadmill of making content. And when I started doing it and so, some strength coaches that, you know, kind of came up with me also trying to do it, which is great, right? Like you love to see it. You collab on stuff. But also I'm like, what happened to that guy? going and look. Oh, he posted hot for like three weeks and then psh, dropped Brashed off. Her. What happened to that gal? So he posted hot and then dropped off. And that's where it becomes a grind is staying on it. And, you know, I think sometimes fitness coaches or, you know, they feel like they're running out of things to say, but it's like, hey, you, you have to stay on it. And it's that, it's, a, it's just like a military discipline, right? I mean, some of our videos aren't the best, but it's the discipline of, hey, we are going to produce three videos a week, you know, and, and something will be helpful, you know. So,
0: Yeah, no, it's hard. I, I try to tell people that constant content hamster wheel. So even with a lot of our clients at Ironbound Media, they want to come out the gate swinging. I'm like, listen, make it easy for yourself. Because it's that grind. Right. It needs to be easy to do. And that's why I'm a big fan of audio. I really love audio because it's easy. It works for me. Right. But for our listeners, you got to figure out what works for you, because it's real quick to just look online and see people doing stuff like, oh, I'm going to mimic that. But, you know, when you're creating content, guess what? Somebody's not reaching out to leads, So still direct one on one calls got to get going. That toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. Still got to go in the bathroom. So there's a lot of movement parts to this. And I'm going to cover this on some solo episodes, though, to actually help you all be more efficient with that by optimizing your work week. And I want to piggyback on something you said. I think it's a good teaching moment for our listeners. There's this thing called the five stages of awareness. And so I'm having to assume that when someone, you know, comes across your content, now they're aware of you. The next thing to they do, they'll probably do a little research, right? Check out your website. Check all the different programs that you offer. Then they're going to evaluate, hey, is this a good fit? You know, could I use this? And they might not do it right then and there. They might sign up for your newsletter or subscribe to your channel. Then eventually, they're going to make that decision to purchase, right? And then once they purchase, now guess what? You still have to deliver the value that you promised. Still got to have that customer service. And so you really need to map out each of these stages and ask yourself, what is the listener, not listener, what is the prospect going to do at each stage? What assets do I need? from a team, you know, what do I need to brief them on? And then you convert that prospect into a customer.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, we think about, we look at that all the time. We look at the amount of times that people, you know, our average customer orders from us four times, which is kind of crazy, right? But they, we, we, we reach that military, that made in USA kind of that thing. And so we might launch, a new sticker pack and it's like, Oh, somebody wants that, you know? And so I think being aware of who your customer is, and I think the biggest thing that will be a good nugget for some folks, especially when you talk about content is for me, I can turn on a camera, look at it, kind of be high energy and get something to happen. Man, I can't edit that stuff. I can't put captions on it. I can't do the B roll. I mean, I I, I technically can, but it's a huge waste of my time. And so we went into content, I realized like, Hey, what do I need? I remember the, my buddy's name's Jordy lives in Miami. I coach him online. I knew he did this professionally. And I said, look, I need something that I can turn on, look at point and shoot. I'll buy a light. I'll spend some money. What's it cost? He's like, this, this, this. I said, send it to me. We bought it. And then boom, I do my thing. And then I upload. And then I tell him like, Hey, these, I think are the key takeaways. And for us in like the content production, that's been huge because early on in my business, especially with the gym, I was trying to do everything myself, you know, save cost. And it's not even saving cost; It's missing opportunity, right? Because sure, I was saving costs. But like, man, that guy editing the video versus me editing the video ends up in a way better product and the consumer likes way more. And, and that value is, is
0: there. So, yeah. 100%. And most of us as entrepreneurs, we're the visionaries. We need to be focused on high-level, high-impact work, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, closing those big deals, editing video and tweaking, trying to put up a little league magnet on your Squarespace and stuff, not the best use of your time. There are people that are drooling out there on Fiverr that will do it for you for like $20. Drooling.
1: Exactly. Literally.
0: Maybe five dollars. Five dollars. <laughs> they strange. wake us every day. They love to create little systems and stuff. You got to learn how to outsource that stuff. And I remember it was a big lift for me to let go the first time. But once I hired my first virtual assistant, it was off to the races. And I'm quick to uh. like bring on a vendor or someone else to do something for me because it's just not the best use of our time. Now, I want to revisit this thing platforms. Right. Now, we hinted at it with the start strength movement. Also, this Made in USA movement. I'm seeing it more and more. Now, when you were starting these businesses, were you, I don't, wanna, I don't know how to describe it. Did you see this? Did you see the wave? And were like, hey, I'm about to position my board on it. Or did it come to you after the fact? After you were like, okay, I really see this opportunity now. Because the reason I say that is, when you start a business, there's a lot of opportunity within leveraging other platforms, right? I'm building a personal website on Notion. I just discovered a website builder that uses Notion. So Notion is this product that all these different business owners and entrepreneurs all across the world use. There's Notion certified components. So instead of her just hanging out her shingle, solo dolo web design, it's called Notion flows. And so a lot of people that come to her, we've already been like trained to use Notion. So it's easier for her. Just like when people are probably curious about starting strength or they're already pro buying whether veteran owned business products or made in usa products and i think that's a good potential strategy for some of our listeners to identify potential platforms i mean you think about all the businesses that were built off the back of crossfit the fit aids of the world the performance supplements and the products etc yeah yeah no i
1: think so i mean i think i don't want to say i saw made in usa as a wave what i think i realized with made in usa was that it mattered to me and it mattered to me before I was making in USA. What I mean by that is when I opened my gym, we wanted to make t shirts. And I remember wanting to get t shirts, being like, hey, I want a made in USA t shirt. At the time, you could barely find a Bella Canva, had like one bad variant that fit everyone terribly. You know, there just wasn't that many options. And I remember being frustrated by that. Like, oh, like here I am, I want to buy USA. And, and, you know, and, you know, I can't, but so that's definitely become a platform for us as people that, you know, they want, they want USA. They want, they know, you know, they like, they like looking up and, you know, every store, every company has a story, but they like looking and telling like, Hey, I can tell there's like people on the other end of this. And, you know, they, they care about this thing. So main USA's definitely been, I wouldn't say I was, I was ahead of it. I would just say the second that we wanted to make a product I thought if I care about this when it comes to T-shirts and I'm a gym owner, I bet like you know there's a bigger a bigger value there in terms of you know other things. you know, starting strength. I'm a starting strength coach. How I how we make a lot of our you know clients get our clients and starting strength coaches is we find people that you know starting strength appeals to the new, new beginner, but ripito's ripito, and this is why we love him. But he thinks everyone should deadlift 600, and you got a lot of dudes out there like you that go hey i know i want to be strong but i also got to run and i know i got i want to be strong but like you know what i'm getting married next year and i want to look super good so like i would rather my deadlift only be 315 but i look good in my suit on my wedding day and so we've kind of used their platform to say hey we're the people that'll say we're still going to get you strong but if you want to be you know a little bit leaner a little more fit or you have an alternate goal we're not going to tell you otherwise, or we're not going to tell you that's stupid, right? We're just going to tell you like, hey, we can help you. So that's kind of, you know, using that platform. And, and Ripito knows this, right? It's not like, it's not like he's like, ah, oh, Brogy taking the crumbs. He's like, Brogy's your military guy. You want to squat heavy and, and run? They're like, call Brogy, I'm the strength guy. And that's what I love about Ripto is he'll always tell you, I'm not here to tell you how to get abs. I'm here to tell you how to get a 500 pound deadlift. And so being aware is another good thing of just like what you can provide. But yeah, I think, you know, riding all those things and then, and I won't go too long on this, but then realizing like, okay, what I always think about is we have all kinds of people buying plates from us. Do we care what they do with them? No, in one sense, right? I just want to sell more plates. At the same time, every person that buys a barbell or plates for us has something in their brain that thinks like mine because we're barbell training. Right. And so is CrossFit way different from starting strength? Kind of. But, like, how small amount of Americans or people in the world are grabbing barbells three times a week? It's a tiny amount. So, if you got a guy that's buying that from you, you can probably do it. And that's why we tried to build. That's why last October I was like, we got to get YouTube going. Like we got to, everybody that gets a plate needs to have a card there that says, oh, you lift weights? Here's some free coaching advice. Scan this QR code right? So then they go in there and bring them back into the ecosystem.
0: I want to talk about this barbell stuff, right? The, the company, because I think about again, faster back in the day, yep. then there was, you got rogue then you have some other ones. I know you were already serving the clientele because they were training at their gym and you're looking around, but how hard was it getting your products into the market and how did you position them outside of American made? as like still a competitive advantage because I had April Dunford on one of my podcasts. She wrote a book called Obviously Awesome. She's considered a world-renowned positioning expert. And one of the things her and I went back and forth on is veteran-owned, is black-owned, is American-made. Are those features or are those benefits, right? So like right. if I'm purchasing a piece of equipment, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, I want to get stronger. And oh, by the way, it's this. So what were you leading with?
1: Yeah, so for me, I would say I, at the time, to be completely frank, was leveraging the time that nothing else was available. And so to be very clear, March 2020, we're buying out warehouses and we're making rental packages in LA and Orange County, rental equipment. I can't buy out enough warehouses. Plates are skyrocketing. I try to make them. I start, get a foundry, I make the tooling, we're in production. Rogue Fitness, you know, our biggest competitor. And we compete with Rogue in one place. We compete with them on the Made in USA black e-coated plates, right? I'm not going to sit here and tell you we compete with Rogue Fitness. Like, we compete on one product. But I saw they were going to make that one product, which was interesting, right? Because a lot of people think military veteran-owned company must be Made in USA, right? But Rogue had never had a Made in USA plate before 2020 either. And so my biggest thing there to talk positioning was we gotta beat them to market. We'll never make it if we don't be in the market, and we beat them by about five by about five days. We we launched our product before they did, which was good for us. But then to position ourselves, I mean the biggest thing we did was was reviews, 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 right? I mean, we begged people for reviews. We hit them up with their emails constantly. We incentivized reviews because we wanted people to land on our, we knew the customer was gonna land, they were gonna look at Rogue and they were look at us. And we thought, man, if we got real reviews and real people using them, and that was why, you know, going to the Arnold was a big thing for us. Went to the Arnold, sponsored the event and had a bunch of big time names lifting our weights. And so, you know, when people land, because if they land on rug. what do they see? They see Thor. They see Eddie Hall, right? And so then when they start landing on the strength code, they seeing like, whoa, this is a big deal. You know, that kind of helped position us. And I think Made in USA is a feature and a benefit, right? I do think it's a huge feature. I, there's a lot of people looking for it. But I do think – I think what we see, we're not the cheapest. Although if you – unless you live in Ohio, if you live in any other state in the union – I I challenge you in Newark, New Jersey to put in the set you want. Our shipping is the best. No one beats our shipping. Our shipping is is the is the most economical. But what I always say is like, while while we're not the cheapest people at the end of the day, will get comments that say, "Hey, costs more than this," but like love to support a made in USA veteran-owned company. We do hear that a lot. I think it's a benefit, but you know, I think it's I do think it's a feature as well.
0: Yeah, it can go both ways, depending on who that target audience is. Exactly, now,
1: yeah.
0: How excited were you during the process of building out your own equipment? Were you geeking out? Were you like, oh, this has got to be a perfect barbell? And then how did you actually make that happen too? Especially during the pandemic when supply, I mean, the reason there was an opportunity is because a lot of these companies were having trouble. You know, the CEO of Everlast sits on my board at Ironbound Boxing, and they were having trouble getting equipment around. And I remember when dumbbells were like, Super expensive just because, you know, it was. Hard yeah. to get. So how did you actually get the equipment designed and pay the vendors and, you know, like you say, get the fun and even cover those costs?
1: Yeah. So I, I, I had a Marine buddy of mine. Him and I were supposed to go to reserve drill together. So a little plug for the Marine Corps, Army, all the reserve units. If you stay in the reserve, you stay connected with people, which is great. And uh, we were supposed to go drill. Drill got canceled. So he ends up staying at my house. He was like between jobs, waiting on deployment. It got canceled because of COVID. I'm like, dude, just rent for me. So he's living at my house. I'm single at the time. And uh, I started saying, we need to make plates. So I call Ripito. Ripito and I are talking. Rip mails me an old broken plate. I take some old York ones that I had from my garage. I'm giving them to my buddy. He's a CAD guy. So he's drawing the designs. I start just cold emailing and calling foundries. My name's Grant. We had been picked up on a story by LA Times about like renting out equipment, and that was like the only thing I had that I felt like if you're a big company, you've heard of LA Times, it's validating. So I started emailing companies. Hey, we're gonna make a plate. You know, blah blah blah. This is my company. And the funniest thing is, is a lot of people laughed at me. I went to a one in, in in Costa Mesa, California, foundry. They make like under the ground water parts. Perfect. Would have been. Not perfect, but could have totally made our part. I went in, the guy laughed at me. He said, you want to make gym equipment? And I was like, yes, sir. Like, I, I had the design, but he laughed. You know who answered? The largest foundry in the United States, LaPaca, And they do Dodge, Ford, Chevy, John Deere, you name it. A big USA-made company, they make their parts. Well, what happened in 2020? All those tanked. No one's driving. No one's doing ag. And so what did they need? They needed more business. And this is why we love to praise the small business. But the big business always knows to like answer every email, right? Always, you never know what's going to happen. And so here I get a call back from Kevin Rowe. I still talk to him every week. And he said, hey, yeah, we're interested in your product. Can you send over the design? So I just sent over one. So we sent them all over and the quotes come back, you know, and I remember I had this Excel document. Okay, to make the mold for the forty-five, you know, it's eighteen thousand dollars to make the mold for this, it's this much money. Okay, this is what that costs. Now here's the minimum runs. Okay, here's what that is. Okay, here's what each cost of each plate will make. Okay, that's what that when I move a truck of forty-four thousand pounds from Walpaca, Wisconsin to Racine, where we're gonna coat them, here's the quotes I'm getting. That means every time I move it, it's this much per pound. But then I'm gonna warehouse it in California. How much is this? And I you know, built out this whole thing, and I'm like, "All right, if I can sell it for this, I can make money. And if I can sell this many, you know, I can pay for my tool." And it actually looked good to me—not like a slam dunk, but it looked like, "Hey, I think this could work." And I was you know, tweeting, "Who wants to buy you Main USA?" Showing diagrams, you getting feedback, capturing emails from that day. It wasn't just like, "Hey, reply below." It was like, "Give me your email." And I just thought i think if tw- if if I can just sell you know two to three runs in 2020 during this depravity, then I can break even, but basically i needed I needed about two hundred thousand, so I got about fifty in a small business loan and one hundred and fifty I took out of my house, and that's how I made it happen and that was, yeah, I mean, it was the almost the scariest day of my life, but in terms of business risk, it was just like well. I got. here we go.
0: So many entrepreneurs think that they need to raise capital in order to fund their business. And they also don't recognize that certain business models aren't venture backable. Did you try to raise capital for your plates?
1: I didn't. I probably, I might have, could have, right? I might have, could have, but I didn't because it, Again, back to I wanted to be first to market. In my thing, it was honestly, it was back to Marine Corps training, lieutenant, war fighting, MCDP-01, speed and tempo over your competitor, right? Speed and tempo over your enemy. And I thought, if this is going to work, it works if I'm here in 2020. And we're still here, Lord willing, it's 2023. But because we built a brand presence very quickly during that time. There are a lot of companies that I have watched, big name companies. That tried to launch a plate since then, like 2021, 2022, that are no longer making plates because they didn't get established during that that time that there was an opportunity.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my follow up question as you think about sustainability long term, because took advantage of it. You got to market. Now you're in it. And those companies I mentioned before, I don't even know if again, faster is around. They probably are. But I was there when like muscle driver kind of got went up and muscle driver was another equipment manufacturer. I got a muscle driver certification. And then one day they were like, yo, come get free equipment, you know, yeah. because we're shutting it down. And so how do you ensure that that doesn't happen to the strength co?
1: Yeah, I think some of the things is finding the things that you're good at. You know, in 2020, we, I think we sold a thousand squat racks. In 2022, we sold like 20, right? I mean, and and, and it was, but, but we did, we didn't, You know, we didn't get left with the bag on that. We definitely saw the decline coming. But what I've, how we've tried to leverage the strength of is what we are the best at is plates, right? We're actually better than 99% of the competitors. You You could make the argument we're better than all of them, you know, if you care about certain specifications, but it's a better product. Our bars are awesome. They're on par with every other bar maker. To be honest, right? They're, 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 hey, this one says the Strength Co., you know, it's got this feature that Grant likes for this type of lifting, but it's not better. And so, what we've kind of narrowed, like, we're, we don't sell squat racks anymore. But we don't sell benches anymore. I'm not saying we never will, but we've said, hey, what do our customers love and want? They want our plates. Now, because of that, when they're there, they want to go ahead and get the collars, they want to go ahead and get the plate tree, they want to go ahead and get the bar, right? Uh, but we, uh, squat racks were a big lesson for us, and so kind of, you know, realizing, uh, you know, again, faster, all, all these different kind of businesses. You know, it's times when you're growing, you think you could do everything, and that's what I thought at first. I was like, we can do everything. We we'll, we'll build squat racks, do this, do that, and then you start to realize, like, okay, plates, we actually manufacture plates. Like, we own the tooling, we cover these costs. That's why there's good margin there. Racks, we weren't building in house. We had a design, we sent it to someone, they two blaze, you know, whatever. By the time I like came down, the margin wasn't very big. So then if sales went down, I was like, well, this is stupid. And I think back to like, you know, me closing a gym after 2020, it, I, I think real, like one, a lot of entrepreneurs don't make it because they won't try it. And then two, a lot of them don't make it because they, they it's like we say in the Marine Corps, they fell in love with their plan, right? Like, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. And it's like, well... Squat racks didn't work. Yeah, we did spend a lot of money. Yeah, we do have to figure out how to sell this inventory, but like, I'm definitely not making it anymore. You know, I'm not going to sit here and try and force the you know the the square through the round hole or or whatever. But yeah, I think what I think sustainability. I think long term. I think what does our customer love? What what do they come back for? How do we provide that in better quality? And I think that's where you know to shamelessly plug our YouTube again, which has been cool is we now get comments from people. Hey, I bought plates from you in 2020. Now I, you fixed my squat for free on YouTube. And that, you know, that feeling keeps people like, wow, they, you know, they like that name. Cause it's like, I bought equipment, it's USA, you know, the whole deal.
0: I'm gonna take a note on this because this is something I've been thinking about too, about creating customers, you know? Like literally creating new clients for yourself. Everybody's trying to chase them, but no, we educate them. We teach them. Next thing you know, they start learning squats. Then they look for equipment. They buy your equipment. And what do they do? They buy your advanced coaching program. So literally taking someone from zero to 100 by creating, by literally creating customers out of thin air.
1: You know, a, a funny example of this, I think works really well, is, is a t-shirt I'm wearing. It's called an 1801 garment dye. It's made in Los Angeles. It's a heavy shirt. It's like a Carhartt is the best way to describe it. And I remember being sold that this was the best shirt. i was like, whatever. So I would make shirts. They had the most color options and garment dyeing. Do any color you want. If you print cool designs. I was like, this is our shirt. Our customers got them. They didn't like them. They're heavy. They're thick, right? They wanted like soft. They want something that felt good. I'll send you one, by the way. But, uh, you know, they didn't know what they wanted. Or they didn't know what it was. Made a YouTube video. Hey, the best shirt for squats. And I said, listen, if you're a dude that's squatting over 300 pounds or you're a female squatting over 200 pounds, that bar is gonna eat into the skin on your back and you will develop a line in your back. I have one that's permanent, right? I go to get a suntan, which I don't tan, but boom, there's a line where you see where the bar goes. If you wear a thicker shirt, one, the bar grabs your back better. It doesn't move around, whatever. Anyway, it's funny. We released that video, the video did well. And then over time we watched t-shirt sales on the site. And all of a sudden, the 50-50 brand shirt started to get placed over past the squat shirt. And it's what you said. We, we took people that already liked our equipment or maybe even already liked our coaching, and then we made them a shirt client. And now, when we launch a new, we call it the squat tee, but a new heavy tee, they sell better than any of our other T-shirts. because we. And it's also not we convinced, but they also saw that, oh, this is better.
0: Taking notes here. Y'all better be taking notes, too. I'm telling you, yeah. man, you can create clients, but you got to have a strategic approach. You got to educate them. You've got to actually provide value. See, what you gave was what's called a non-obvious insight. On the outside, I just think of it as a heavy tea, But because of your knowledge and expertise, you were able to share insight that most people don't know about. And so now you're getting them to think about buying that tea in a different light that is going to add value to them when they do get under that bar.
1: Yeah. Uh, Thanks. I didn't know that term. Now I know.
0: Now, as we start to close out here, what is your big, hairy, audacious goal, both for the businesses that you're building? Because I think me and you are very kindred, right? We got same background, Marine Corps. I went to Navy. You went to Citadel. We have these three different businesses that some can say, oh, they're interconnected. But other people might just like, oh, you've got three different kind of lines of effort. But you're clearly working towards something. And I'm curious to know, both from the business perspective, what that is, and also from your personal in your personal
1: life. Yeah, I think from the business perspective, you know, I do think creating synergy or you know, a mesh between all three companies makes them all grow. So we're definitely trying to that. But to be where I think we have a lot of opportunity that we haven't tapped into is the commercial and government gym space. I mean, our ninety percent of our clientele is the home gym user you know it's you you want to put something in your garage and while we you know we just sold a couple air force bases this month and we're definitely getting into some dod things i think there's a lot of opportunity there to be in you know brick and mortar gyms that you know we don't run that want plates right i mean you say the name again faster you say the name iron grip you say the name you know whatever the other one was right you think of these brand names And you think of them maybe because you went for coaching certification, that's so but just because that's what the name of the plate was. And so I think there's opportunity there. I think that scales the most. And I also think that scales the most for us, right? You know, if you want to grow an online coaching brand, Grant only has so many hours a day, he's gonna get on and do this. And so that means that therefore you have to train a staff and that staff has to be competent, keep clients, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas like plates, hey, we're gonna make Four thousand forty fives. If I make eight thousand forty fives, I actually just get more efficient. So scaling that is probably you know where my mind is the most is like, hey, how do we get more plate sales? But at the same time, the coaching content, particularly like the YouTube stuff, I mean, it, it drives the most traffic from all social media for people coming in and buying. And so you know we want to. We want to grow that as well and, you know, try and just grow like this, this brand, this mindset of like, Hey, you know, as you get older, you age and you lose muscle mass. Doesn't have to be that way. Take some personal responsibility, take some risks, go lift weights, you know, buy Americans, support businesses. And it's almost kind of like a a whole ecosystem of just like, Hey, like it's a mindset of, you know, not being a victim going out there and, and, you know, and getting it that, you know, we're trying to tap into. And so that's, yeah, I mean, I think that professionally or, you know, business-wise plates are at what I see scales the most we will definitely keep the coaching arm going. If anything, I'm, I'm not like personally looking for more online clients. It's like, you know, there's only so much time to to do that sort of thing. And yeah, that's kind of, kind of, kind of where, the, where the ship is headed. And And I also don't think ever to stop you know, I don't know. You know, we have this, we have a t-shirt business on the side. Not, I'm not just talking Stranko t-shirts, but I have another business where we make shirts for small business companies and we ship them for them. So you want one for your brand. We come up with your design. We print your shirt. We warehouse your shirt. We set up your Shopify store for you. We ship it. And I started it really just to help a couple of like Marine buddies of mine. And now I'm like, oh, it's a real business, right? So I think sometimes just keeping up like the mindset of, Hey, there's opportunity here that I didn't even think of.
0: And what's the name of that business? American
1: Fulfillment Services. Roger that. American Fulfillment Services.
0: Yeah. I might need a t-shirt that says differentiate or die.
1: There you go. We got it. Vet-shirts.com.
0: American what?
1: American Fulfillment Services, but the website's vet-shirts.com.
0: Last two questions for you. Number one, what words of advice or encouragement do you have for our listeners as they continue in their own entrepreneurial journey. And number two, how can we support you to accomplish your BHAC?
1: Sure. I think one, go for it. You know, I mean it sounds cheesy, but you got an idea, you got something to think that think that that'll work, you know, do it. If you're a service person, put it for sale. You know, it, there's so many opportunities now. You can have a website for eight dollars a month. You know, give people a buy button. If you're trying to, I had a Marine recently he was talking about his woodworking, he wants to make tables. I'm like, man, you can have a Shopify store for $6. Get it on there. Start selling to your friends, you know, get reviews. But I think I think, go for it. For the, for the military person, you know more than you think you know. Your skills are more transferable than you think. That's where I get mad with my, my fellow devil dogs. They think they don't know much. I'm like, man, you have no idea like what you know. So, you know, I think go for it to support us. I mean, obviously all the media stuff helps. We're on Instagram, the Strength Co. I, I, I tweet really regularly about my business and my business struggles. I'm Grant SSC on Twitter. Our YouTube is there that you can subscribe to. All, all those things help. But yeah, I mean, Buy American, you know, t- absorb our, con- our, our our content. And yeah, we, we'd love to have you as part of the, the community.
0: Grant, I don't subscribe to a lot of YouTube channels. I'm going to go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I know they always ask to do it. I'm just the kind of guy that treats it like a Google, you know, just type and search stuff in. But I'm going to support you. I'm going to subscribe to your YouTube channel because I believe in you. What you're doing is awesome. And, you know, with a lot of my coaching clients, whether it's flawless acceleration or even with Ironbound, I'm a big proponent of the mind-body connection, which includes making sure we're taking care of ourselves by sleeping, eating right, you know, working out. And, you know, having that championship mindset and the thing that I've become a fan of, just like you said, as we get older, getting under that barbell, you know, the squat, the deadlift, the push press, the pull-ups, et cetera, that goes a long way,
1: even if you yeah. just do
0: it for 30 minutes. And if you can get the best bang for your buck, you only got 30 minutes, right? We need to have these more conversations on the strength training because your bones start to deteriorate, hips start breaking, but a lot of people don't know about it because they haven't read the peer-reviewed research and things like you and I have come across. So uh, appreciate sure. your hand. Excited to follow your content. I'll be sure to include a link to your YouTube, your website, all your assets in the show notes. And for our listeners, do me a favor and please subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes as well. As always, if there's a topic you me cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.steadman bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Steadman. Until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.